Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to A Serious Disc Agreement, the only serious podcast on the Antipodean internet about movies and DVD <laughs> culture. I am one half of the show, Mr. Blake Howard. The other half of my show and this show is the co-host of Finding Drago, Total Reboot, Netflix film Buffet, and he loves movies wherever they come. They can be streaming. <laughs> they can be physical. They can be on the discs that we're talking about today. Alexi Toliopoulos, welcome to another episode of A Serious Disc Agreement. I feel warmly embraced by the cold, hard edge of physical media on this podcast. <laughs> Just dangerous enough that if you press it into your flesh, you'll be cut. You could get that cut, dude. You absolutely <laughs> could. That's why physical media is extremely exciting and dangerous. <laughs> well, speaking of dangerous, uh, the Umbrella crew in Australia have been doing incredible work for many years. Mm -hmm. Being a repository for awesome Aussie flicks and yes. other kinds of movies that are often hard to get on your major labels. They mm -hmm. seem to get the rights to do stuff internationally. We have been graced with some of their excellent Beyond Genres collection, which we're going to have a chat about, which really is truly bringing some of the weird and implacable kind of classic, but I don't know, these movies like feel like they stain you and they are unforgettable yes. after you watch them. And so particularly today, we wanted to talk about two in this incredible Beyond Genres uh, uh, Beyond Genres and it's called Worlds on Film Beyond Genres from Umbrella Entertainment. We're going to talk about two films. The first we're going to talk about is a Peter Greenaway film. Now, if you've never heard of Peter Greenaway, he's kind of like a British Lars von Trier. He's sort of an avant-garde filmmaker who plays with cinematic conventions and makes these incredible kind of theatrical, kind of mm. like perverse filmic experiences. And his classic the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover. Is on this label in its blistering Blu-ray clarity with also a terrific Peter Greenaway doco that almost feels like the doco that's on the other side of the imprint Alfie DVD, My Generation. Like, it's like a oh, kind of absolutely, my... absolutely, kind of my generation. Look at Peter Greenaway's influences and the evolution of his art. But this movie is a grotesque, uh, sexual, uh, avant-garde, you know, fascinatingly wide-lens shot, weird, grubby movie. Mm. And holy shit, does it pack a punch even now. It's about, as the title says, a crazy thief who spends about a week's worth of nights in a restaurant mm -hmm. and in there while he's posturing and stuffing his face and tormenting his crew. Um, his wife, played by Helen Mirren, so the thief is Michael Gambon. His wife, Helen Mirren, is having an affair. We see mm -hmm. the, into her affair. We see the chef preparing all this delightful and almost disgusting looking gastronomy of yeah. food that is coming out. And it's kind of this perverse, weird, almost kind of, uh, I, I don't know how to describe it any other way, Alexi, than the kind of like that, that Lars von Trierish feeling mm. kind of thing. Uh, if you've never seen a Pina Greenaway film, I think that they're both, you know, a lot of kinship. What did you think of this weird and wonderful movie? 
I absolutely adored this. I think I'd been, this has been on my list for nearly a decade and there just hasn't been a good way to really watch it. Yes. Uh, so when I saw that this was coming out with Beyond Genres, knowing some of the amazing work that Umbrella Entertainment has been putting into this as a kind of sub-label for them of like interesting genre pieces, kind of the way that you put it, of like off-center classics, really. Yes. Yes. And seeing this in there kind of enticed me even more because I think that this is such a unique film. Like it has like the, it really just oozes this juxtaposition of luxury elegance. That is this beautiful restaurant that feels like the height of luxury. And that's juxtaposed against like the absolute like depths of like repugnant grotesquerie <laughs> that is on display in this restaurant by yes. the thief and the other gangsters in this film. And I think that this film really is just like this absolute like speed in piked height of cinematic symbolism in its most overt nature. Like this is just so overt. I love seeing these kind of interchanges where characters walk from one room to another and the entire color scheme has changed, <laughs> including the costume they're wearing. Just for the F of it, like by the se by the mm. seams of it, right? It just like, and, and different settings have these different color schemes and mm -hmm. these different moments, even wardrobe chambers changes of the same color schemes that coincide yep. with the next phase of the menu. If you're going from an entree to a main or a main to a dessert, and yeah, it's it's just like I mean, it's just a really terrific, manipulative thing that is mm. constantly reminding you that it's a movie. Yes, but 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 in a way that once you kind of step into its rhythm, you kind of start to see the world like that, and you're like, hold mm. on, like is you this dizzy, escape it. is this dizzying cycle of repeat and routine a massive commentary on like living your life and decadence mm -hmm. and that like that aspiration to be that kind of boozy shitbag that goes out to a restaurant every night with their friends and drinks wine and tells tall tales, you know? Like it just Absolutely. it just becomes this great kind of commentary as well as being, um, you know. You know, I think on the second movie we're going to talk about in this chat, mm. it's just so much movie. Like, yes. there's just like uh, this felt to a lesser extent like that because it's there's sex, there's violence, there's shit, there's food, mm -hmm. there's weird albino choral singing boys. Like, yep. what the, the, what more could you possibly? There's Michael Gambon chewing scenery and chewing people. Literally, um, you know, it's it's just a really it's a really, and it's also a really confident, confidently made weird mm. movie. And in its theatricality and its operaticness, like it really does feel like it's staged rather than shot. Yeah. Like yes. it feels like you're watching from the audience of the most bizarre high production <laughs> theater piece. That so it kind of feels like this is a bit found as well, almost yeah. like uh, like a lost text from the Shakespearean era or <laughs> after that sometime that has been translated the way that Shakespeare plays often are as like a contemporary gangster film or contemporary gangster setting. And I really think that if you're like Blake and I, people who like absolutely froth your gangster to pictures this is such an interesting change of pace for everything that you would have seen before it while still feeling like a really significant entry in a very strange way into a beloved genre of cinema yeah it's um you're so funny because that's that is the exact feeling because there's a 
a hilarious uh, story that actually ha- takes place in the trip movies where they were talking mm. about how Ray Winston, who we both love, who you know, yeah. f- who's in so many gangster movies, he Ray Winston was playing um, like Henry. I think it was Henry the Fifth in a Shakespeare yeah. play, and and then the boys go on this stupid comedic riff about him going, oh, I'll gut you, like just not being <laughs> able to be any kind of high art, it just like turning yeah. King Henry into just like this gruff, oh, from Manchester, I'm going to gut you like a fish, you know, yeah. like just like that yeah. kind of thing. And Michael Gambon is that, like he's just this yeah. giant joke, like he cannot escape, like he's 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 got the... I don't know, the ephemera of erudite mm. and sophistication and all that BS, but he's such a grotesque figure. and He's um, such a geezer, right? He's oh, an absolute geezer. He's a geezer to the core, but so grotesque. Like, he mm. finds pleasure in, in like, the kind of, like, dis- like... He- like he'll he'll kind of wade through shit and then tease you for you walk side by side with him he'll wade through that shit with you and then he's like oh you're so disgusting you need to wash and you're like dude you're disgusting like everything about you is disgusting the way you eat is disgusting Mm -hmm. the way you talk the way you interact with people yeah it's just it's a great like it's these movies are so great because i think they learn from some art films that are a little bit more restrained is that like if you're going to make something that's like that's going to defy like classical genre impulses and classical storytelling impulses. Like one of the great ways to maintain attention is to be like extra, like in a positive Mm. sense, right? Extra sex, extra violence, extra emphasis, like, you know, big, big extra set pieces, like smashing plates and Mm. smashing glasses and, and, and fighting people and making one of you guys eat a prairie oyster, you know, like it's just, it's, it's so fun. And I love the comparison that you've made to Lars von Trier because I was trying to think like, have I ever seen anything like this? The answer is yes, yes, I've seen things like this, but this is an extremely unique movie. Like usually you just say unique. You never have to put a qualifier in front of it, (laughs) but you do have to say this is an extremely unique movie, as is the other film we're going to discuss in this episode as well. And I think that Lars von Trier is an apt comparison because that's a filmmaker who you can't really classify in any other way apart from calling them a unique auteur. And so to even find something that to compare this to, you have to compare it to someone that makes really different stuff. And this isn't even an exact sync up with it. It's just going, this is something like nothing you've seen before. No, I I think I saw Lars von Trier's Dogville which is his mm-hmm. 2003 movie that stars Nicole yeah. Kidman and Stellan Skarsgård. And I, at the time that I saw it, and it was so transfixing and also mm. so um, obviously a commentary on uh, stripping away, like stripping away those, uh, the facade of like reality that films need yeah. to have in order to the portray. The artifice of film and yeah, everything. All the artifice of sets and just to get yeah. to emotional truth. And I remember seeing that movie and I'm like, I've never seen anything like this. It just completely mm. blew me away. It knocked me over. And however, now that I see the cook, the thief, his wife and her lover, I'm like, if, if Lars von Trier hadn't seen this movie, mm. I, I would be, I would be shocked to my core because this, it just seems like, oh, this is how you can break the rules and enter this sort of approach. And I feel like Peter Greenaway in this movie is, is totally doing that. And, and the great doco that's on this um, terrific umbrella Mm. beyond genres, Blu-ray, like charts his career. And so you get to see how he's influenced and what he's, uh, where he's, where he's pulling from and what he's trying to challenge with his filmmaking career. 
Yeah, it's only one special feature on the disc, but it's yeah. humongous. Yeah, and it's, it's massive. Re- it's like a perfectly length documentary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, well, we've we've gushed about this one. Now let's let's bring it a little bit closer to home. To you know, when you talk about beyond genres as a label, the actual you know the statement of being beyond genre, there is a beyond genre title which is truly, in my mind, one of the most outstanding and maybe cinema breaking. Uh, uh, pieces of art that I've ever seen, which is uh, our next film. Would you like to tell the folks listening about it? Yes, we will be discussing the new Beyond Genres release of Rolf de Heer's 1993 classic Bad Boy Bubby. This is an iconic film in Australian history, a proper, proper cult classic. Like this film, like Blake said, left a bit of a schism in the fabric of Australian cinema when it came out to the point where I still hear people just talking about this movie and people you wouldn't expect going, Bad Boy Bubby is my favourite movie. And... This is one that's kind of lived in a little bit of infamy as well. Uh, It mainly stars an actor called Nicholas Hope playing the titular role of bad boy Bubby, who is a man who grew up his entire life, 30 plus years, in a bunker in Adelaide with his mother in a trigger warning, incestuous, abusive relationship. And he knows no world outside of the four walls that he lives in, which is a utter pigsty and then one day something happens and he leaves it and finds modern day 1993 Adelaide as he wanders around and the only way they can really classify this film is it is one of the most experimental movies I've ever seen it experiments with the form of cinema and filmmaking itself and I said this to you the other day Blake but I got to put it on the record once (laughs) again is that it is one of the few examples of uh, experimental film, not only finding a really passionate audience beyond expectations, but also where, in my opinion, the experiment is a complete and utter success. (laughs) Uh, And and, uh, the only thing I would tag onto that, because you're so right, is that it's not only an utter success, like I think it blew, I, I don't think in any possible way could Rolf Deheer and his stars have imagined the impact and the colossal mm. impact of the success of the experiment once it reached audiences. It was an instant cult hit. Mm. Um, you'd only seen it for the first time very recently. I know you'd seen clips of it and stuff in film school. With me, I saw mm. f- clips in university and then I caught it on VHS, but it was trash because that VHS yeah. had been watched countless times mm. and it just was not hard to it was very hard to watch and and to concentrate on but this beyond genres blu-ray if we talk about one special feature on the last one this is so resplendent with beautiful yeah. special features of all kinds it is incredibly put together it, it looks like nothing before mm-hmm. i it, it's 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 so incredible and yeah i i just it's 
it has everything that you want movies to have. It has abject horror. It has sex. It's mm-hmm. got violence. It's got it's got music. Music. It's got pizza. It's got political commentary. It's got like deep sort of seething cynicism of yeah. um, the power structures. It's and and it's told and and you know in, in, from once one in one way it's one of the most disturbing movies of all time and in the other way is it like ends on such a mm. level of wholesomeness that it is yeah. really shaking and man there's just like if you don't if you've never seen it buy it sight unseen absolutely I I got to tell you Blake this is. Uh, in a year already that is overflowing with incredible physical media releases, I'm thinking about the Criterion Wonkai Y box set, oh. amongst many others, even the Mad Men like big box set of Bong Joon Ho's like most important works and stuff. I have to say, this is the single physical media release of the year for me so far. This is his uh, desert island. If he got stuck absolutely. on a desert island, this is the one. The only other one I can think of is that big imprint one coming down the line later this year uh, that I'm very much anticipating. But this was one that I have wanted to watch this movie for a long time. And I cannot believe that this, like it truly was worth waiting for to see it in this format on this Blu-ray with this amount of special features put applied to it, dissecting, analyzing, and kind of, I guess, documenting the making of this film because this film is so singular and so fascinating in its form and its shape that the only other film that I can ever compare it to from now on is, and it just dawned on me while we're having this conversation, is this is like the grubby Aussie cousin of uh, Being There, the Peter Sellers movie. Yeah. Yeah, where he goes out and kind of touches people's minds in an interesting way, (laughs) and I was like, "Holy shit, Bad Boy Bobby (laughs) is like the freaking durry encrusted like skid mark of that movie in a way that I would watch this movie (laughs) a million times more than I'd ever watch being there now." And also, I just thought about it too in this conversation. It is like Rolf to hear's Bad Boy Boyhood. You know what I mean? Like this movie Mm. was assembled about someone's life going ahead and they shot it over months and months with something like 20 mm. odd cinematographers and had all this experimental stuff. That's what Alexi's talking about. And that's why the, yeah. the documentary footage and the interviews and all that other stuff is just so amazing yeah. to see it all catalog together, but it's just, you know, it's just a wild, wild thing. And, mm. um, the, the, the affronting reality of Australia's racist systems are right there the mm-hmm. darkness of like religious suburbia is right there. The pollution and, and the lack of care for the environment is right there. And it's all like, this could have totally been yesterday, but it's mm. just right there. Like it's, yeah. it's all there. And it's That's, that's like you said, it is a schism. It is a skid mark. And I just genuinely think a lot of filmmakers, you know, after this, it's like Rolf to here just said, hold my beer to like the whole Australian film yeah. industry. And I still think we're holding his beer in some respects. Yeah. It's just well, like, he, he's just the, the ultimate Australian filmmaker. You can't, it, it can't be said otherwise really. Yeah. Cause the amount of work that he's done doing interesting works like this and like Dingo with um, Colin Friels and Miles Davis, which is also and, being and ten, released by Umbrella. And 10 Canoes. On, um, 
Ten Canoes. Yeah. Oh, of course, Charlie's Country. Like the work that he does with indigenous filmmakers as well, and bringing like the stories from David Gulp a little to the screen. Uh, I can't. You can't respect this guy anymore as like the true Australian auteur. And um, I, I, I don't know. I can't. I could talk about this movie forever, but um, I gotta say because, yeah. We're going to save it. We're going to save it because as we do at the wrap of every show, you can find Alexi on Total Reboot, currently doing the Australian Psycho series. Mm-hmm. Bad Boy Bubby is an upcoming episode. There's, he has lots more to say. So if you want to deep dive into yeah. the movie and the lore of that, that's where you're going to find it. We're here just to praise the incredible physical media mm-hmm. uh, uh, output from Umbrella that brought it to our, uh, our screen and hopefully yours after listening to this because it's so incredible. Yeah. Um, man, thanks for the chat great one on this i'm so excited and i i think if people watch both these movies back to back i think everything would look like disney for the next six months like uh, it's <laughs> I just think like you've every- nailed it <laughs> i think just- you've absolutely nailed it there's some other really great films on this label as well if you want to explore it another australian underground classic i would say in the same kind of vein as bad boy bubby well it- not even because it's just another unique Australian weird genre picture <laughs> yeah. is Spirits of the Air, Gremlins of the Clouds, which is Alex Proyas's debut film, which Great. is a take on like apocalyptic Australian wastelands as well in a very interesting and beautiful way. And of course, you've got stuff like the reanimator movies in this label and the Aussie classic Jaws, but it's a pig on the bush. <laughs> Razorback. And if there's any justice in the world, Alexi's spec script Razorback 2 Pigs of Mykonos will be greenlit by Screen Australia and, oh. uh, and and that's all I'm hoping for is that finally there'll be your your feature film debut will be my dream your dream pigs trotting through Mykonos causing and they're cooked on the spit Greek style baby my biggest dream Hi, this is Blake Howard, host and producer of One Heat Minute Productions podcast. We dive into the great and underappreciated cinematic works, often one minute or one scene at a time. Our crew of guests are some of the most wonderful filmmakers, writers, authors, and critics ever assembled. Our shows include One Heat Minute, Josie and the Podcats, All the President's Minutes, Increment Vice, and right now, Zodiac Chronicle. Check out oneheatminute.com or find us wherever you get your podcasts.